This episode of The Bag Drop, Untold Stories in Golf, is brought to you by Half Day. If you played in the Stinger, our annual member guest, you may remember the Half Day CBD Closest to the Pin Hickory Challenge. Now, through the link in our show notes, you can visit their full line of hemp-derived CBD products, and with the use of the promo code NEWCLUB15, you'll receive an additional 15% off your first order. I'll be back a little later in the show to share my personal experiences with Half Day. And if you're curious about the benefits of CBD for yourself, I encourage you guys to check them out. Steve Smith, welcome to the backdrop. What's up? That's all I got. What's up? <laughs> What's up? It's great to be with you. It's great to be with your uh, Ritz Crackers uh, yes. profile picture that showed up here on our little Zoom call. Um, tell me about that. What's what's up with the Ritz? Uh, I mean, America doesn't really address this, but the Ritz Cracker is the most underrated uh, crispy snack food in the world. Butter, salt, crunch. I mean, what more do you need? <laughs> what more I, do you need? I assumed it was like, you know, you being in the wine business, this was like uh, the crackers that go with wine. But uh, does Ritz even add its status no. of great crackers? Is that a faux pas? Does that not look good if I show up to the wine tasting with a bag of Ritz crackers? I think that's actually, it's interesting you bring that up. That's a new litmus test I should uh, implore of when I go places, if I bring my own Ritz, how do they react? Yeah. I want them to react positively. Like we'll be, we'll get along much better. If it's in, if it's welcomed versus uh, frowned upon, I'm. Uh, it speaks much more to how I would put together a proper wine tasting. Love it, love it. I've seen you do that. Yeah. You do put together a very proper wine tasting. <laughs> yeah, um, no prep. Make it all up. It's genius. <laughs> uh, how many? How many bags of Ritz are we eating? At, you know, is this like a daily? Like, do you have the stockpiles what, of Ritz crackers at home? Uh, my wife prefers I don't. I, whenever we need to run, this is, this, this is going to get worse. Um, whenever we need to make a trip to the Walgreens down the street, there is a perpetual two for like two for $6 deal, which I'm not sure is actually a deal by the way, or it's crackers, but it's sold as a deal two for $6 at uh, Walgreens. So I always walk back with two boxes and they'll be lucky to last two days. Wow. That's like eight sleeves. Yeah. That is a lot. I, That's I a lot, to, man. I love are, them. Are you applying anything to them? Are you putting cheese whiz or anything on them? Um, no, I'm, I'm OG. Like I just want the Ritz cracker. Uh, if I do do anything with it, I will. This is, this is how I do this. I will walk to Olivia's down the street from us and spend way too much money on a tub of Zingerman's uh, pimento cheese mm. and do the Ritz cracker and pimento cheese dip which is hilarious to me that a tub of pimento cheese can cost like five times whatever it's cracker. (laughs) (laughs) It's obnoxiously expensive. Just a a beautiful pairing. You know, I've had Michelin star chefs on the show. I don't know if you know that. And uh, we've never talked about Ritz crackers. Interesting. Nor nor should you. (laughs) Welcome to uh, episode, whatever the new club podcast, deep dive into Ritz crackers. Deep dive. Let's go deep. Here for you guys. Uh, we go, we go in peanut butter and jelly next. So we're just going to go right into all my eating habits. We can. Let's do it. So uh, everyone that has played with you at Ravislow has said that 
you know, Steve's a great guy and wow, he loves peanut butter and jelly. I do. Uh, do I you do. just, do you just eat them at Ravislow or is it more of a regular? No. Uh, another, another, wow. I am not an adult. Um, <laughs> I would say I have a peanut butter and jelly sandwich for lunch six days a week. Wow. And that's, that's it. my, that's my lunch item. Is it just the comfort food of your childhood that reminds you that it makes you feel good? Or it, do you, um, yeah, maybe. I don't know. It's it's the easiest thing to make and it kind of checks off all the boxes. There's protein, there's a little bit of fruit. <laughs> <laughs> Loosely. Uh sugar. Um I do do it on gluten-free bread. So, you know, it's a little bit of an upside in that, I think, even though I brag about that all the time. My wife reminds me that's not any better for you. It just doesn't have gluten in it. Um yeah, I peanut butter jelly and carrots. I am a small child. It's excellent. People at my people at work, like if I'm on a call, um, like they'll be like, "Hey, is it peanut butter jelly time?" Like, yeah, I'm hanging up on this call and having a PB and J. Yeah, actually, it is. Actually, <laughs> it is. It is. I love it, man. I think we have to oh. embrace the things from our childhood to, uh, you know, remember who we are in our busy lives now. I think it's. <laughs> Why don't you lie down on that couch and we'll talk more about your childhood and <laughs> how it has impacted your selection of foods. Hey, I think that's a great transition because I think golf for me is, <laughs> is therapy. I was thinking about this the other day. I was thinking about, you know, when you listen to the pod <clears throat> as a new club member, or just fan of people in new club or you or just learning more about other society members. Like there's always a question you ask someone that I'm like, I hope he doesn't ask me that question because I don't have an answer to it. <laughs> And but the one question I thought I want to get into, which I think is, sorry, I'm going to take this over for a second. Is that cool? That we've talked a lot about on the side that I think is actually one of the coolest things about new club is the, the level beyond golf of which the relationships go as a society and how openly and easily those conversations tend to happen. And it can be something as simple as a Slack message. It can be something as simple as like, having real conversations on the golf course about what's going on in each other's lives and like learning and then like follow up texts, like, Hey, what happened here? Like just people really being genuinely interested in each other. And as we experience the summer we've experienced COVID, you know, I've played more golf than I've ever played in my life by far. And we can dive into the club championship nonsense and all the grief I get about that. And you know, my wife is amazing in the sense that, early in the year, she recognized how, even if I had a bad day at the golf course, I always came back in a good mood. And I am a big mental health advocate. Like I will encourage anyone and everyone to go to therapy. I will openly talk about my experiences of therapy, maybe not very specific things, but in general, like just a big believer in that part of our lives being something that's openly discussed and embraced and encouraged because it's, it's unmeasurable how important it is in people's lives. And golf has certainly served that way for me. Now, if you ask a couple of guys you played with in the last couple of weeks, maybe not the most therapeutic rounds of golf of my life, <laughs> but there's a point to it. And it just, it really does provide an opportunity in some small way to take care of your brain and it's important thing to do. What do you think are the specifics out there 
that do that because you know it's like i i walk my neighborhood and i don't get the same um type of mental care that i get from the golf course and i, I know we've sure. talked about this in the past but what do you think what do you think you think there's anything like specifically about the game that does it or is it just nature is it um, the, the amount of time you're out there, what do you think it is? I think a lot of it's time. I mean, how often do you give yourself four hours or three and a half or five and a half, whatever it may be. And in such a new club walking, I, I get more mental health from walking than I do from getting in a cart. Uh, even sure. though I don't, I think I've only been in a cart once all summer, which is amazing. It makes me so happy. But I think it's the time. I think just how often do you give yourself that much time to do something? And in a sport where you engage in moments like you're, you know, you're walking between shots is not always, you have the opportunity to talk to someone else. You have the opportunity to go off by yourself and wander in your thoughts. You have opportunity to be super focused on your round that day or just swing a club and not care. Like it's just, there's so many different ways to approach the game, but I really think it comes down to giving yourself time. We, we don't do that well as a society of giving ourselves time to do things there's so much pressure to either be totally caught up on social media or caught up on the news or caught up like when normal times like in your in your social schedule it's just again that self-care aspect it's actually i got married late in life and i will probably reference my wife a lot in this because she has had such a profound impact on me um that i think that was one of the reasons i finally Got my shit together. Can we swear on this? I don't know if we can swear on this. You can. In life. There are zero children that listen to this podcast. Just unborn and children. Just the kids. I was going to say, I was going to say, hold wives. on. There's a, lot, there's a lot of kids happening in New Club right now. Um, that when, I, when we first started dating, she, my wife, got a, I always say she has an adult job and I do not. Um, but I was a little annoyed that like she would work and then like go to yoga and like her priorities were like, she knew her schedule. She knew what she needed to do in order to be happy and be productive. And early on, I was not that thing, which is fine. We just started dating, right? Like she wasn't going to change her schedule. And I actually remember talking to my therapist about it and like being a little frustrated. And he's like, pretty much my therapist is amazing. There are no, there's no nice ways of ever saying anything in the best way possible. And he's like, quit being an idiot if you really like this woman, why would you try to change her? Why would you ever try to like force your way into a routine that brings her happiness? Like let her welcome you in. And it really actually, I did that and we got married, thankfully. Um, but it really opened my eyes to like the people that are, are in touch enough with what drives their happiness and what kind of sets the table for them to be happy and acting on it, which I had never done. I had always been like, oh, these are the three things I know will make me happy, but I'm not going to do it. Yeah. I think <laughs> either it took effort or like something else had come up and I would change my priority. And just that idea of, you know what? And that's what's been awesome about golf for me this summer has been her seeing that in me, me not abusing it. Like I know when to not go. I know when to go. And I've been more than willing to change plans of something, whatever else, but just knowing that that's something I need. And I've been intentional about trying to play more because I know like, cool, my week's going to be better. My day is going to be this. I may be tired, but I'm going to be more focused, be more willing to do work. 
and things like that. Or my relationship, my wife's going to be better. And not that golf solves all problems by any means, but it, it's more the theory of it than the actuality. Yeah. If that's a word. I think so many of us do that same thing where if, well, maybe a lot of us don't think about what actually makes us happy. I think that's a big step for so many folks. And um, I've met people that actually play a lot of golf and golf doesn't make them happy. Like, I, I don't want to sure. be ridiculous in saying that, oh, everyone needs to go play more golf. Like, I know people that need to play less golf to be happy. Totally. <laughs> because yeah. It's, yeah. they're not finding the joy in it. But if you do find the joy in it and you know that, which you, you established, then go do it. And you're going to be better in other aspects of your life. I love that message. Yeah. And I think I agree with you 100%. I'm not saying golf is the answer to everyone's problems. And it's not always the answer to me, too. There's definitely I'll go through a rut and I'll be like, I need to walk away for a minute. I need to think about what my priorities are here and what my goals are. But yeah, the message is finding that thing. And yeah, and it can be, it can be minute. It doesn't have to be a massive commitment to a massive thing, but giving yourself, allowing yourself the time to create space for those things in your life, I think is incredibly important. Well, you've made time to golf because you are destroying everybody in the golf society in the club championship race. And like, I, I, it's to the point where I'll be talking to a, a new member and they, they, uh, one guy said like, Hey, uh, you know, I'm joining late in the season. Um, you know, I really want to try to, to make a run for the club championship. I mean, I'm no Steve Smith, but I think I have a chance. It's so right? ridiculous. <laughs> and, and I go, they don't know Steve Smith yet. I hope they get to know him soon. But uh, you have, you, you are now this like folk hero at the top of the leaderboard from like, you're going, you're, you're going from start to finish, dude. You're going coast to coast with the I don't title. Think that, I don't think that's going to happen. I think huge is going to get me. Oh, but, wow. Okay. Um, I also, I had this conversation a couple weeks ago and, and it is true. I've played more golf than I've ever played in my life. And it's been the single, probably real upside of the summer for me <laughs> in that experience. Um, huge has more rounds than I do in, in the actual summer. He just oh, plays a lot more golf outside yeah. of new club. Right. He has friends outside of new club. I don't <laughs> like, it's that simple. Um, so that's always my counter to everyone. Like it's not me. It's really huge. So take that huge. He's the one who I think just played like seven days in a row and 36 multiple days. Like he's got the life at the end of the day. Um, but it has been, it's been something, I think that's been a combination I do think it's funny that some people confuse club championship with skill too, by the way, because <laughs> that is not the case. Um, <laughs> but you gotta be winning some matches. If you, if you just play more early runs, on, I'm on a you, bad run, man, right now, yeah. he's getting steamrolled everywhere. It's like, Oh, it's brutal. Well, that, but, that's, that's probably why I've heard some reports that there's been some early morning rises. You're out there grinding on the range right now. I am, man. It's, it's, uh, it's funny the, the the amount of golf is kind of twofold. It's, it's being in town. I'm normally gone five or six days a week and so I'm very limited on times I can play. So being home all summer has really given me the opportunity to play more. I also set a goal for the first time ever with golf. Like I've never really taken golf as seriously as I have. I've enjoyed it and I've taken it seriously and I've experienced all the things people have experienced with joy and frustration in the game, but I've never like been like, I actually want to do this kind of our player talking about like creating space. In my mind, I've always wanted to be a single-digit handicap. And I always thought I could do it by playing 12 rounds a year and never going to the range, <laughs> right? It doesn't work that way. And Yeah, and it doesn't work that way at all. And it's like, 
I actually set two goals at the beginning of the year when I first started going to max and one was get to a single digit and the other was just qualify for the club championship. One of those apparently just took care of itself. (laughs) (laughs) No problem. And Max and I started working and this is the beauty of the game though. Huge and I were talking about this a lot the other day after a round over text of I went from a round of 13 to an eight pretty quick with some simple things and some things that I just never quite understood because Max is such a great teacher and really, really talks about your game versus the bigger picture of golf and what, what works for you. Um, and I had a really fun run for a couple of weeks this summer and out of nowhere, it just went away and I couldn't figure it out. And like, I went from shooting some of the best scores I've ever had to like pre pre bad golf, like high school level, like couldn't come anywhere near breaking 90. Like it was ugly. And I was just like, what is going on? And I realized that I stopped trying to be better. I was like, cool. This, I got it. I got and I was it. I'm like, nope. Yeah. I'm a single digit guy now. <laughs> I, I got this. this yeah, right? Like, it's, it's great. Breeze. I can show up and do this. I'm like, oh, yeah. No, I'm the, it's the, uh, it's, I felt very imposter syndrome, right? Like, I'm a single digit, but I'm guaranteed I'm, I can shoot 100. No problem, guys. Don't worry. <laughs> it can go away in a heartbeat. Um, and actually one of those peanut butter and jelly mornings at Ravislow, I actually had like my first high school level, like on course mini meltdown. Like I got mad. Um, I, 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 I've we never were, witnessed this and I can't imagine you. I on don't course really get mad. Like I just don't. I was playing with Chandler. Well, that's going to piss you off right there. Chandler. I know it's is, just Chandler's just, difficult guy to hang with um i think maybe chandler blue and patrick johnson one morning and we got to i'm so bad remembering what holes what's the short par four after the par three at ravislow on the front uh, that little dog five. leg right I, five yeah terrible at knowing what golf holes are and i just everything was going wrong and i I just kind of took myself out of the hole and I picked up my ball and I just threw it as hard as I could at like a tree in between five and six T and it hit dead center of the tree and came back to me. And Chandler's like, that's the straightest thing you've hit all day. Uh, (laughs) And I just started dying. I just started dying laughing. Like it just solved all the problem. Like I was just like, you're I'm like, Oh my God, I'm so embarrassed. Like what is going on? Like I've, I've gone too far into taking this seriously. And frustrating. It's something huge and I were talking about the other day of like, cause I've definitely been a little frustrated since then as I work towards hopefully getting my swing back. And I was like the funny, I realized that the difference is when I was young, I was mad because I just assumed I should be good. I was an athlete growing up and like, I just made these assumptions and my frustration now isn't really like real anger, or like temper tantrum anger, which it once once was in my life. It's more of like my internal competitiveness of like, I know I can do this why can't I figure this out right now? And it's just more, it's more like trying to drive myself than to be angry at the game of golf or like, screw this game it sucks. So like my frustration's different. It comes out a little different, but it's more that desire. Like, cool. I know I'm capable. How do I get back there in that world? And I think that's, what's cool is like, <clears throat> again, I don't want to like make this overly cheesy, but as you get to know guys and you play with more guys in the group and you, get more consistent rounds with guys. They all learn your game and know your game. And 
everyone it's really fascinating in new club of the amount like i really haven't met someone i don't like or haven't enjoyed playing with yet but those certain group of guys i've played a fair amount of rounds with like know when to say the right thing know how to like talk to you about like helping like that idea of everyone wants everyone to be at their best is rad and like yeah. everyone's so good at it That's i mean true. palmer award you know big head palmer award guy bozier <laughs> Uh, he made us call him Mr. Palmer all around the course. Do you, of the have, do, you so. have a, do you have a hit list of members right now that you're checking off? Like, do you, do you have to burn these guys? I don't think they yeah. do. <laughs> I do. They're the nicest guys in the club. People got people yeah, to take true. a shot at them every now and then. I mean, Bozier saved my, my bike the other day. Let me borrow a, an Allen wrench. What a guy. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, just just their ability to know the nuance of relationships and how it works on a golf course is pretty awesome, I think. I, I can't agree more with that. And one thing that I think about golfers that have, you know, to be a part of New Club, you've semi-committed yourself to the game, right? And, and sure. I think what comes with that, because I've, I've thought about this a lot. Uh, what comes with that kind of decision or that uh, depth of relationship with golf is um, – you know, by playing golf, you understand the relationship with yourself, with your mind and your body and, and all the different emotions that you go through. So I think naturally golfers are going to understand relationships with others from that and, and, and that uh, shared experience of, I know what you're going through right now, you know, or, or he's on a heater, man. I know what that feels like too. That, that, yeah. that he's in that zone. That zone feels so good. Like, wow. Totally. Like, and, and so, um, we see a little bit of ourselves at everybody. And I've noticed that there's definitely, you know, that, that, uh, unspoken truth of like when to talk to somebody, when not to. And, and I, I've, I've really, um, been inspired by that too, because you're right. It just adds to the experience. hundred percent. Yeah. And I think, <clears throat> much to the idea of like golf isn't the answer for everyone's mental health. I think that that's actually pretty unique to this group of people. Cause I've played plenty of golf with guys that are not a fan of, <laughs> right. That it just, it's just too, it's too serious. And I think people confuse that idea of like it not being serious, meaning people aren't taking it seriously. Like that's a very big differentiation of like, you, you can laugh and have a good time and rib each other and support someone who's having a bad round or, and still take it seriously. You're just not being serious. And that's a very, very big difference. And it is wild. Cause especially when you play this group of people and then you play outside a new club, maybe you go play with a buddy at their club or whatever else. And then you get in that pairing with the guy that's like, Oh, it is like rough. Some days, as much as we love golf, some days in that pairing, I I can't think of anywhere I'd rather not be than with that. Really, I I played around at your club recently. Um, I won't mention names with a friend of mine who's a member, and we got paired up with these two guys. And classic world, like you're on the range, and a guy walks up next to you and starts hitting balls and you're like oh i don't i hope to god that's not the guy we get paired with and then you get paired with the guy <clears throat> and all he did all day was talk about how good he was at golf and how far he hits the ball everything didn't hit a fairway all day and is it 15 
I'm so bad. Uh, shorter par four. Yep, yep. You love the yeah, short par fours, yeah. I do love the short par fours. Where the wind's kind of blowing down when he's like, oh, I don't, I don't know if I can hit driver here. I just don't know. I might fly the green, you know, and all this talk. He ends up, like, hitting the ball and gets – he barely gets on the front of the green in four putts. And he's like, yeah, guys, it's just what happens when you drive like Shambo and putt like Alice. I'm like, what? What are you talking about? Who are you? Like you were the reason people don't like this game. Like, and that's a mild example. There's plenty of people way worse than that guy. But I mean, it's all day, like the self-involvement sometimes. And like that idea to like fully acknowledging that I just told the story of me being very self-involved and winging a ball at a tree. But there's a weird, like show your tail feathers part of golf. Sometimes that is just really obnoxious and gross. Just look at the like, look at the fashion of golf, right? Like it's always yeah, pointed. No to one cares mentality. I know. Yeah, I know. no one cares about the time you in the middle of a round you pull up some story that has no relevance about how you hit a ball within three inches on a hole at some impossible. Like it's just great. Congrats. That, 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 nothing drives me more nuts than someone reliving their own round of golf. Or, or their own poker hand. I, I feel like those go yes, hand in hand. So it's the same guy. Hand, yes. and, and and I'm gonna put I'm gonna put him on blast. Kevin Sloan is a member. He's a great guy. He's a lot of fun to play with. But after every round, I just say get in the cart because he's gonna talk about his whole round shot by shot. And and it's like we were there. You know, I, I like to always ask the group like, what was the best shot you saw? Not that not that you hit, but yeah. the best shot because it gets you a little bit out of your own head and and yeah. everything you're saying. It's gonna add to the enjoyment. Maybe that's why I'm lucky. I have pretty good golf amnesia. I can't remember anything. That's key. key my my one on the list of questions I'm afraid you're going to ask me is like, if you could play one hole for the rest of your life, what hole would it be? I have no idea. You par wrote, five. You, I just want it to be a par five. That's all I know. Just so, so you can it's, play it different wells. You can play it all different levels. But I don't know what hole. <laughs> that's a better answer than most of the others, man. I like that. Par five. What's your favorite course in, in Chicagoland? Oh, you're going to make me sound like a jerk. Chicago. Oh, Chicago golf. Okay. What's yeah. your favorite par five at Chicago golf? I don't know. I don't know any holes. <laughs> I, I could really make I you really sound like a terrible. jerk and I ask really you how many terrible. times you've played Chicago golf because I know not it's, that many. Oh, it's okay. not that many. I just for the asterisk on this conversation, I married into a membership of <laughs> Another, golf, another, so. another fine quality of your, your beautiful wife is yes, the, the yes. she, she often thinks that's the only reason I married her and it might be, but, um, I think Chicago and Chicago's up there. Just, it's just, it's pure. I, I never know what else to say about Chicago other than it's just pure. Um, my favorite course to play is Beverly. Truly. Oh. I love Bev. Like I really membership people. Somewhere between Bev and I've been fortunate to play Shore Acres a couple of times. I think just for pure fun of like championship level country club golf, hard to beat those two places for pure enjoyment and challenge. Um, same time, I don't know. I'll play anywhere. I don't care. I really don't care. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try a transition here outside of golf because – uh, just hearing you list courses made me think of something that I find exceptionally unique about you, and that's uh, how much you enjoy nice things and you appreciate nice things. Like I've had conversations with you about music, 
wine, obviously those two things being your career um, and, and food and not just PB and J's, but like, you know, Michelin star rated restaurants sure. and, and, and you enjoy and appreciate, I think appreciates the word I'm looking for. You appreciate really nice things, but you also are fine without them. Meaning, you know, there's so many people that if it's not in that upper echelon of whatever it is you're doing, they're, they're like, it's not for them, but, but you, there's no pretension, I guess is what I'm trying to say to your, to your taste. Like you have, uh, what I would say is a sophisticated taste in a lot of different things. Um, but it's really about the experience for you. Is that a, do you oh, think that's a fair assessment? Thousand percent true. Um, I'm not necessarily going to fully agree that I have sophisticated taste, but, uh, I do. Yeah. I think the part I'll agree with most is the experience is number one. I could care less where we play golf. It's about who we're playing with. It really truly is. And same way about opening a bottle of wine or going to a concert or whatever. It's really, man, there was certainly a point in my life that my, my, the markers of my life were driven by, Oh, have you done this? Have you done this? And all that BS. Um, I thankfully feel like I've evolved a little bit and come to understand that it's just, it's interesting. My wife has even talked a lot about like, I, I, I being quarantined has not been a problem for me at all. Um, I don't really miss anything. It's weird. Like I don't really miss anything. Like I, my career is music. I don't really miss concerts. I love restaurants. I love food. I don't really miss going to food. And I think it's because I've been able to one because of golf, I've been able to have some community, which solved some of that. And we've been incredibly strategic and smart about trying to maintain. I mean, there's certainly a ton of people we miss seeing regularly, but we've maintained some bubble of, I would say our closest friends and I hate determining how close you are to friends. I think that's like the word best friend is I call everyone my best friend. Cause I think having one best friend is just a ridiculous thought, but it's kind of creepy actually. It, it's it, once, really, you're, once you're over the age of like, I don't know, 14, yeah. 13. Yeah. When you start like ordering your friend quality, it's a little weird. Um, I just choose to hang out with you or not hang out with you. That's how I delineate. I have <laughs> a group of best friends and then I have no friends like easy, <laughs> easy enough. Yeah. Um, that I don't, it's odd. I don't miss those things. I, but I miss the, I miss community. And I feel like I'm able to solve some of that by getting to a point where you can have a couple backyard barbecues or you can, you can engage in some ways and don't be wrong. I want those things to open back up and I want to be those things to happen again. But again, it's not, it's not the what for me, it's the who at the end of the day. And I think that's true. I, I mean, yeah. I'm going to Chicago tomorrow and I am, I probably won't sleep tonight. <laughs> so excited. And at the same time, like I've been to Calumet three times this week <laughs> Yeah, and I will play Calumet any day of the week. That's, and that's, what, that's what I'm talking about. Is that like, like, yeah, for you, it's not just the, the prestige of these things. It's the experience I and who you're with. I, I very rarely prepare for things and I, from like six twenty eight to six thirty, I prepared for this tonight. Two minutes hey, before we here. started. <laughs> hey, we're on the same. We're on the same page. And I was actually thinking about my kind of my golf upbringing 
and which I have not thought about in a long time. And I didn't play a lot of golf growing up. I played enough to like understand the game and a couple rounds of summer, but I didn't grow up in a country club family. I didn't, it's funny. I have a very, very good friend I grew up with who uh, is a member of Beverly and we play together a lot and we talk a lot about golf and he played high school golf. And they're like the three main golf courses where we grew up, I've never played. And he's like, what? <laughs> I'm like, so you're Toledo yeah. guy, right? So yeah, I'm Inverness. a Toledo guy. I've played Inverness, but like Belmont Country Club, Sylvania Country Club, like where our high school golf team played, I'd never played golf there. And it was a country club that was less than a mile from my house. But I grew up playing so my pretty great – Savannah Country Club. My godfather's a member. Never played. Pretty cool. Pretty cool spot. I hear it's, I hear it's a good spot. Um, but I was thinking about my great uncle who lived to his late 90s, belonged at a country club called Tanglewood in Perrysburg, Ohio. That, I mean, God bless this place. And I was just like, I was looking it up because I was curious. I haven't thought about it. Well, I don't even have a website. Like, there's no information. It is 5,800 yards. Uh, truly like someone walked in the middle of a forest and just cut some trees down and never planted real grass. Like you're hitting off like stone and rock and fake fairways all day. It's, it's dog track of all dog tracks, but that's where I grew up playing golf. And that was my experience. You know, he was the club champion all the time. And it was like generally a little older group of people, but like, he used to make my clubs for me, like things I didn't approve. Now I look back and I think I've shown you some photos of some of the old uh, persimmons and like wood clubs and the old Wilson clubs I have and stuff, all clubs he made that at that point in time, or he owned or bought or used all the time. At that time I was like, you make clubs like at least cheap. Like, like we're this poor, you have to make me my clubs. Like you can't go buy me a set of ping I twos. What's going on right now? But now looking back, I'm like, no, that's amazing. Like, oh, that's so cool that he did that and he cared so real, much. Real craftsmanship at that totally. time. Totally. But I was thinking about it. My favorite part, and this will kind of give some real context to how I grew up playing golf. The, when you would make a hole-in-one at Tanglewood, you would, your trophy, this is so great, was a full bottle of Bud Light with a printout in some clear packing tape of the day, date, and what hole taped around the Bud Light. <laughs> I still have a, I have to find it in my storage unit. I still have a bottle of one of his whole like ones. Full, and like that a full was like, bottle of Bud Light. Full bottle of Bud Light. <laughs> that was like your prize for getting a hole in one. Like, here you go. It's a $2 beer with some clear packing tape and some okay. printer paper. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, they, we're, but that's where I learned to play golf and that's where I grew up and that's where I learned, you know, how to figure out my emotions on the golf course. Cause I was a feisty kid. And again, we go back to the idea of the minor humble brag. I was a pretty good athlete in high school and like sports came natural to me and golf never did. And I threw some epic <laughs> tantrums on the golf course and he was not having it back in the day. Um, it makes me think of Chandler always when we get frustrated in the golf course, Chandler always references, uh, pretty sure it's Chandler, the idea, maybe it's Bozier. can't remember that, you know, when he would throw a tantrum as a kid, his mom was like, take your clubs and go home. Like, just like, just go, just, home. Just you're, go. Done. you're done. You've, you've been stripped like, of your privileges. Yeah. We make the joke, like when we're having a bad hole of like, it might be time for mom to send us home, but it was the same thing. Like my great uncle would just want like not put up with any of that. Like, this is not what you do here. Yeah. 
Um, it probably didn't make sense when you're that age, but now you're like, oh yeah. That's- oh yeah. No, I'm like, no, I'm pissed. I am going to throw a fit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this game is dumb. Why am I not good at it? I'm going to lose my mind. Anyways. Sorry. Uh, I'm rambling. You're, you're rambling beautifully. It's great. What are you drinking? Let's transition into the wine world. Since you're, I, we haven't even touched on it yet. You're the, the new official sponsor of the Bag Drop Podcast. I mean, oh, new sponsor. I've, I'm expanding our uh, golf podcast empire sponsorship. Yeah, when you started Smith and DeVroe <laughs> Winery, did you intend to go after the golf dweebery uh, category? Uh, Is that like, we're going to work. I gonna didn't know because I didn't realize how gullible they were. Like, it's so great. <laughs> They'll just spend their money. It's awesome. No, no they're kidding. all just coping we with mediocre golf games. We just need, totally. we need wine. It really never crossed my mind uh, at first. And then I realized how dumb I was. At, like, two of the three things I'm most passionate about from an entertainment point of view. Why have I not combined them? Um, and it really kind of hit home when we started working on the Palmer wine. And, like, that really kind of connected dots. Initially... Uh, I become friends with the crew out of Rich Harvest and they asked us to make a custom label for them. So that kind of started there and they actually introduced me to a couple of people from uh, Arnie's army. And then I used to do a golf trip every year to Orlando and one year randomly, we decided three guys and I decided to go into early and play Bay Hill. And I just left a bottle of wine as a thank you. Like we, it's funny, Roy Saunders gives me crap about this all day. Like we got on, through a friend who knew a friend who wasn't actually a member and like kind of got on illegally to Bay Hill, like didn't really do it. And it's like, we just left, I, my buddy's like, you should leave some wine and say thank you and just hope someone doesn't think that we just snuck on the course for the most part. And we did and it ended up getting in Roy's hands and like he reached out to me like two days later, like, hey, your wine is phenomenal. We used to have a wine deal, like we didn't think about doing something in the future, we'd like to talk and led to a great relationship with them and ended up producing a small run of wine with them. But it's funny. He's like, remind me again, what member, you know, that you got out here. I'm like, don't actually know how we got out. I'm pretty sure we snuck out. <laughs> Come on. I, the, the descendants of Arnie <laughs> funny. respect that, you know, he was the man of the people. Yeah, it was very, he, I get a lot of grief for that still, but um, yeah, it took me a minute to really connect the dots on that side. And I've always, I've always been aware of golfers that have wine um, I've always kind of critiqued that a little bit cause I don't, I mean, it's a natural relationship. I think I just a little, and even though we do it with some people, I'm a little apprehensive when celebrities put their name on wine. Um, it's a real reason why when we did the Palmer wine, we did it the way we did it. It's like a celebration wine around his 90th birthday versus like trying to create a brand out of it. Um, but yeah, golf and wine make a ton of sense oh. to me. Yeah. Yeah. Why, why do you, what are, what are you, the similarities or what are the things that you think make the most sense together? It's so I think wine and music are more directly connected in the sense that and I'll get to your answer, but I think music and wine make a ton of sense together because there's no right or wrong to any of it, right? Everyone has their own personal taste or personal profile. Your, your ears are different than my ears. What you gravitate to are are very different things or maybe similar but there's no real reasoning behind it it's kind of what's built into you at a core level and the same thing with your taste buds when you try wine or taste wine you 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 don't know what you like until you experience things but your taste buds are naturally going to give you a reaction to something and then from there you get to make a choice 
do I want to experience more and learn more? And do I want to either educate myself and maybe try some things and then discover things out of my comfort zone that I may end up liking or reaffirm my previous taste? And you do it with music too, right? Like, Interesting. You and I can sit here and talk about music all day. We can talk about wine all day. We may not disagree or sorry, we might not agree on anything, but it doesn't make either one of us right. And music's always worked well because you had the opportunity to experience things and there were certainly tastemakers in ways but there wasn't an education part of it to experience music where wines always struggled because there are these gatekeepers and sommeliers of the world and whatever else and wine's always been presented as an intimidating thing and if you go to a restaurant look at a wine list you're looking at prices with no other information so you're making decisions based on prices and you're assuming that well if it's more expensive it's better which is complete bullshit and if you have a good psalm they'll walk you through that and you know my number one trick or tip to anyone that's going to a restaurant always ask the psalm what the cheapest bottle like what bottle they recommend like in like say a sub 60 dollar like make them recommend something cheap to you because they've put that list together and their team has put that list together so they should be proud of all those ones if they just try to sell you something expensive they're just thinking you're it's like a walking into like a car dealership before yeah. carfax or equifax or whatever those services are to tell you that you can kelly blue book the everything you know pre whatever it's it's really about eliminating the fear and making these things approachable and you know you were talking about what you're drinking right now before and like i was going to give you grief like i drink what you like you should always drink what you like the you should Constantine always listen to what special. you like to it yeah the Constantine. From, it usually comes from the house and, and the starts house. with kirtland number number one uh wine seller in the world Costco. <laughs> um but you should always exp- you should always you should always consume whether it's food, music, wine, books, what you like. You should always though have a willingness to experiment and try new things. Because how else are you going to discover something at the end of the day? I want to throw in a golf analogy to that that I'm going through right now, um, and we have our September trip coming up to French Lick, and which made me think of it uh, as a college golfer and into my early almost early 30s i'm 35 now so it's only been a couple years yeah that's about right i hated pete dye never never liked pete dye golf courses always thought they were overpriced always thought they were uh you know too difficult probably um or i shouldn't say too difficult but weren't relating to the scores that i had in my head for the course that i saw Sure. And, and, and trick, tricky, you know, tricked up and, and things, but I am right now on this Pete Dye kick. And I think it, it started with, you know, his passing and, and I was like, you know what, I gotta, I think this always happens, right? People die and, and things become sure like you, you need to now pay your respects and understand things more. So I started, you know, looking at it more. And honestly, I'm like obsessed with Pete Dye golf courses right now. I want to go play more of them. And, and I was, I found out that a place in Cleveland, Ohio, Fowler, Fowler's Mill was actually a course that I loved as a kid. Was it an early Pete Dye? Was it Pete Dye? Interesting. And a public course for like 65 bucks. So it's, then I'm like, all right, I didn't, I had a, a incorrect uh, assumption that I just never relinquished. I never let myself experience and, and that's cool to hear you, you tie that into like what, what those similarities are. Cause I definitely experienced that. I think it's, I think it's, I mean, I think it's universal in all things in life, right? Like you can, it, it's, it's your willingness to try things and not just rely on kind of what built into you. And 
know, for us with wine, also I'd like to make one note and I don't know if this was heard, but if there was a gargling noise while you were telling that story, I just opened a brand new bottle and I was getting it some air in my mouth. And I thought I did it quietly and I forgot that these probably pick up everything. So if there's a weird gargle in the background of this podcast, I apologize. Just, um, you're, you're just kind of really embracing the sponsorship now. It's like, am, how yes. do we get the, that's, that's the Netflix style advertising, right? Product placement throughout the show. That is, even though I haven't mentioned what I was drinking, that doesn't really probably work. Um, but it's funny, like in that example, and I'm sorry, I feel like this is going to end up being one of the longest podcasts you've done and or you're going to edit halfway this out. Um, we make, you know, Napa, we make mostly Napa wines and everyone, most people, I won't say everyone, most people want cab from Napa. And we make a Napa cab, but our pride and joy is Merlot. It's actually, oh, look at this. I just did this unintentionally. Speaking of what I was just gargling in my mouth was our brand new uh, 2017 single vineyard Merlot, which is whew, drinking. We just, we're just put it out in the market with this wine club shipment. Anyways, we love Merlot. We think Merlot is like truly the most interesting and like universal grape and Merlot gets such a bad rap. Mostly because most Merlot has been grown as a blending grape and not with all the care and attention of like a, something to be featured in California and because sideways totally fucked it for everyone. Um, which if anyone ever actually pays attention to that movie, no one realizes that he ends up drinking Merlot in the end. Like, the glass he enjoys the most is a Merlot, but whatever, who cares? Definitely um, miss that. So for a while we made a red blend that was like 90% Merlot, 85, 90% Merlot. And you would pour it for people and they'd be like, this is great. You know, this, what is this? Like, I don't, I only drink cab. What is this? And you're like, I hate Merlot, but this is great. And you're like, you're drinking Merlot. And like, no, I'm not I'm like, yes, you are. I'm like, well, I don't like it that much then. <laughs> it's like, what? Like, <laughs> what are you doing? You're, you're not allowing yourself to experience something for what it is because your preconceptions are, are impeding that thought process. And that's where I think like you talk about P die or you talk about golf courses or talk about just your overall, you know, I think, and I'm, I know I'm not alone in this, but I think one of the best pods that you've done is with Dr. Joe and just that, that really flipping that mentality and a lot, again, talking about allowing yourself spatially on allowing yourself to be positive, allowing yourself to be in the moment, allowing yourself not to get stuck. And what do we all do on golf courses that we've played a lot where we have that one hole that is just our nemesis. You, you, when you get to the hole before you mention it to someone else in your group of like, Oh, 14 is just, ah, it's my enemy. I hate it. And then you finish out and you go to the tee and you make some comment of like, I've never played well in this hole. And then you shank one into the woods. Right. And it's just like, you're, you're just creating the environment for that to happen again. We all do it. That's like high in the list of golfers creeds right there. Let me have my enemy hole and forever make sure it remains my enemy hole. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's just that, and again, it applies to everything. All these things work in the rest of life. It's just how do you look at them and how you approach them. Um, and how, when you get out of kind of sync with it, how do you allow yourself to get back into it? Because you can't ever do this in perfection. You can't just follow the straight line of like, oh, I'm just absorbing all this information or I'm staying in a happy mood or every swing, I'm going to have a really positive swing thought, even though I just chunked one three yards in the last hole. You know what I mean? Like, but it's how do you get back there? And I think that's where 
golf is amazing, but I also think that's when you experience things that don't have a right or wrong to them. That's important, you know, and how many times you've been to a restaurant? Like that's my favorite restaurant. And someone's like, that place sucks. Or you argue about pizza, right? Oh yeah. Or you, it's great. Everyone should have a different opinion. Yeah. Of course. And you you got to be willing to try it. Totally. And I tell everybody, whenever I do a wine tasting, the first thing I tell someone, like, I encourage you to tell me you don't like it if you don't like it. Like, that's fine. I am not offended at all. I have no expectation of every person on earth thinking that all the wine we make is the greatest thing that ever happened. (laughs) Cause I don't, there's wines I don't like, (laughs) like there are things I don't like in the world. So I have to be accepting of other people not liking things too. And that's great. I kind of remember you did, this is, (laughs) <laughs> the very last day of non-golf socializing was spent gotcha. with with <laughs> Smith and Devereaux at your guys' facility doing a wine tasting that you led, and the news was breaking. Like we had the news on in the background, we all yeah. kind of looked at each other and like, "Do do we need to go home? Should we not? Yeah, do- should we should we be doing this right now? <laughs> yeah, and it was like that first day, but um, uh, I remembered you you pulling out a bottle and saying, you know, this isn't my this isn't my jam. This isn't my thing. And I was like, wow, one, you're, you know, it's your company. And I thought that was cool, but I remember that being my favorite wine <laughs> too. Yeah, totally. It was cause it was Chardonnay. Yeah, exactly. It was. <laughs> and you like, and you, you like know, Chardonnay. Big Chard guy now, right? I'm having a Chardonnay tonight too. I'm, I'm again, Oh, uh, generally not a big Chardonnay drinker, but I found a world of Chardonnays that I like. So like, you just got to keep trying things, but yeah, that is, I don't know. I think, we get too caught up in the world of trying to make sure that everything is perfect and everything's like, and like, if we're not, if we're not, if we are vulnerable, people won't engage or accept us for either being an authority on it or being authentic about it or whatever else where it's the exact opposite. If you're transparent about all the things in your purview, people generally are more interested and more willing to be a part of what you're doing versus trying to put up this facade of like, Oh, well this, our Chardonnay is, blah, 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 blah. Number one, it's my favorite wine. I consume 37 bottles a night. You guys should like all BS. Like I just don't, I struggle with bullshit. I really do. Like it's a real, I don't know. Some people I've actually exited tastings where people were like, you're not a very good salesman. That's <laughs> <laughs> was like, maybe, but I'm just not going to sit up here and like tell you things to try to convince you to participate because I don't want to be sold to that way. I want to be given the information and then make a decision. I have some philosophical things related to this because, you know, as, as new club has grown, I've actually thought deeply about this and and my background is sales. So, you know, I thought I was going to be a, a sexy madman marketer when I graduated college. I went right into sales and I think sales is dead. A traditional sales yeah. is, is dead. And I think the internet killed it along with um, the, the awful stereotypes that have just swallowed corporate America and, and what salespeople's role were. And, and I'm, I'm with you, man. I think more people... I think we don't give people enough credit on how intelligent we really are as humans. And, yep. and it's more about connecting with, with people and finding people versus selling. 
And, uh, and yeah, I, I, I totally see that with you. I, I see that in everything you do for, for your guys' company. I mean, it, it's not about the traditional sale, selling sense. It's about connection. It's about if this is, if this is not for you, that's fine. And, and there is a group totally. that it is for. I think we've always treated consumers as if they don't have discerning taste <laughs> and felt the need to like hoodwink them into something, convince them they're experiencing something they may or not be convincing or experiencing. And again, there's certain products like the, listen, I don't want to devalue sales because there's certainly value in it, but I, I would say, you know, so much of the other side of my world in music is about storytelling and like, talk about an ultra competitive space and how do you differentiate and you're trying to give some, get someone to buy into something where at the end of the day, their only real decision-making tools, whether they react to or don't react to a song. Like I can tell you the greatest story in the world about an artist. And if you don't like the song, you're not going to all of a sudden be like, Oh, I love this music. Like it's just, that's not how it works because we're not built that way. That being said, when you do become a fan of something, you're far more interested. And this is where I think actually, in my opinion, we're getting back to, we're oddly getting back to like what the experience was like in the sixties and seventies of music, but like the interaction with the artist has to be more and more genuine than it's ever been because there's too many ways for people to see through the bullshit now. And there's certainly a segmentation in the music industry that, is rightfully doing what they do and what we do as a business where you're chasing a number one single and you're trying to maximize, I want everyone in the world and I want to be the number one artist in the world. But for majority of the business, it's, it's really about super serving an ethos at the end of the day and telling us, telling a story and committing to a narrative and having a point of view. And, you know, you know, when Twitter first came out, it was, well, how many followers do you have? And now like we've all gotten smart and understood that who cares how many followers you have, like what's your engagement like? And not only what is your engagement like in terms of percentages, but what is your engagement like in terms of how are people actually engaging? And I am for all of my clients and we, and we definitely deal with like more career oriented artists versus like radio artists, but I want to super serve the fan because if I super serve the fan, at the end of the day and those core people that are believers. And this kind of goes back to a touring philosophy we had early on when I worked at my old record label, if I get 10 people in the room and they are all bought in, who's going to go talk about my band more than anyone else, those 10 people. And you're playing, you are ultimately playing a little bit of a numbers game where you need word of mouth, you need people to try to experience your artists or I need people to experience my wine because they can't possibly make a decision about music or wine without trying either one they can read whatever they want to read you can read a review you can have someone tell you about it until you experience it you don't have any information to actually make a decision whether you like it or not it's not it's not like i don't know we both have babies in the way it's not like researching strollers and being like (laughs) (laughs) oh buddy what 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 stroller like based on like all the reviews which you will tend to make a commitment to because you can't try 57 strollers in a real life experience and then make a decision. You got to either, you got to use information reviews and recommendations and just commit to whatever you're putting on the registry. (laughs) Whereas like wine and music, until you hear it or until you try it, you actually can't form an opinion about it because you've never actually experienced it. 
Sorry, I am really rambling. I'm loving this conversation, <laughs> though. I you you mentioned something about the '60s and '70s and how uh, music. I was about to say golf. Uh, how music has returned somewhat to that. And I one question I've been thinking about a lot lately. With you know, if you think of the civil rights music movement and all the music that came out of that time, that that struggle that we still listen to today. You know, a lot of people will say uh, struggles and adversity creates art. And, and you need it in order to have the best art. And the 60s would clearly be a case for that. Um, do you think the music industry right now, with everything going on from pandemics to racial injustice to you know, trying to figure out our judicial system and uh, all of it, do you think the music industry is doing enough? Are they living up to that standard that maybe was set in the 60s and 70s? Uh, <clears throat> simple answer, absolutely. I think it's more challenging to really appreciate that in just the way communication works nowadays. And, you know, the up, not upside, but the, the reality of the 60s and 70s is you had limited outlets in the way you got information about things. And so when a community of musicians, you know, got together and made Woodstock happen or whatever it may be, it was more of a national story where we're so overwhelmed in multiple national stories right now that I don't think it is quite reaching the mainstream like narrative, so to speak, but I think individually the community of musicians have never been more proactive in sharing their voice and have never been more comfortable in actually having a political point of view. That said, <clears throat> part of the conversation that frustrates me that I think frustrates a lot of musicians too, especially uh, in the black community and with black music is that it's not like, protest music and songs or songs about racial injustice only happened during Martin Luther King and this summer. They've never stopped. We just haven't paid attention to them. And it's, that's where I think the connection point ends up happening where influence can start to, to look at. You look about, if you look at a lot of the records that came out this year, uh, and I'm trying to think of like, there's the Run the Jewels record. There's even a Leon Bridges record for us that were very timely and, and feel incredibly connected to what we're going through. Those songs were written before any of this happened because it's not a new experience right. for the black community. It's not like all of a sudden racism came back and racial injustice and systematic uh, racism just reappeared. It's been going on. We just, the rest of the country and, the, and frankly, white people have not paid attention to it. And so now we're all of a sudden aware of it. It's like, Oh, look at all these people writing protest songs. Like, nah, that was, those haven't gone away. Life, those are life songs, yeah. man. <laughs> that's yeah, just a life hasn't song. Gone away. Um, I think that's, I mean, it's, it's an interesting question. I do think the community is doing, I think they're doing all they can. To be honest, I think the difference is, you know, the John Legends and Chrissy Teigen's of the world aren't the only ones. And 
not to say other people haven't been doing it forever, but they've there's certain people naturally through fame that end up getting the headlines about the work they're doing, things they're saying, and I think there becomes a point where of inflection where those voices aren't heard anymore, and not that Chrissy and John shouldn't keep using their voice and using their platform, but I think once you start like it starts like working its way into like the entire wits of the industry and like anyone's a fan of any music starts having an experience of like a song or a voice speaking up that's where difference and change starts to happen and people willing to engage in the conversation or consider a new point of view or hear a song or be like oh and also frankly the white males of the music industry are finally leaning in which is another big step in that world. Yeah. I I've been big on this uh, from the beginning on all this stuff is like um, we need the privileged. I would imagine those, the white males you're talking about are the ones that are running, you know, the companies and, and have been in those. And, and the musicians for that part. Yeah. Even the musicians too, but both. Yeah. The ones that have benefited from whatever privileges come their way. Like they have to uh, be involved. They have to, they, they we can't allow, for the privilege you ignore things because they're the ones that currently have a, a, a chip and a seat at the table and, and we want their involvement and we have to listen. And, and it's, uh, it's wild, man. And you're right. I actually, that, that, that really changed my perspective is the way I've been thinking about it is like, yeah, where are the bangers? You know, where are the, where are the things like the sixties songs that I, that my parents made me listen to. And, and that's a great point that maybe they've already been written. They're already there there i mean it's been part of it's it's just been the reality for <clears throat> majority of the community and there's there's really been a and we can stop talking about this because no one's going to care on this but there's there has been a significant movement in unity amongst actually the industry side not the musicians but finally the industry itself between managers and record labels and uh community there that have really started to have some real self-awareness and try to change. And it's hard and it's, it's not hard because it's not right. It's hard because it's been the way it's been for a long time. There's an amazing woman actually here in Chicago named Binta Brown, uh, who's been leading the, the change within the industry from the music industry side. And it's really, but it's, it's, yeah, there's a long, long, way to go that's all i can say long way to go you made me uh you made me look pretty cool recently uh when uh covid first kind of came stumbling upon us i you know we're at home we're, we're we're at home a lot more and i started put on a playlist that you shared amongst the golf society called if yeah. we own a cabin, I believe if it's, we own a cabin, oh, and, it's my and, favorite playlist. And my wife, she could tell something was up. Cause it was like way better music than I typically pair uh, play. And she's, and she's like, this is, this is great. Like who sings this? And I'd have to look it up real quick. Cause I had no idea who the hell these people were. And, and she's like, this is great. Well, this is a great song. Good choice. Good choice. And I just kept taking all the, I got you, man. Dude, it was I got great. You. It was great. I got you. I have, uh, I think we've talked about this a little bit and I think it's awesome that there's actually a collaborative new club playlist, but I have five playlists, one that I'm ready to share, but I've, I'm starting to build out very specific golf course oriented playlists. I think the new club list, the collaborative list is actually one of the coolest things I've seen happen and people dumping songs in and like building a community around it. 
personally, I need something more focused on the golf course of like a genre or a vibe. So I'm hoping to complement that with some very specific playlists for your choice that we will start to, I don't know if you're down, we can start to share with the community. Very um, down. And very don't worry. Down. The, the first one is called center cut. <laughs> it's uh, all about tempo. Oh, make bingo. sure you, that was to it. make sure you call in Morikawa it and just get it right down the middle of the fairway. And don't worry, it's heavy reggae for you, buddy. Oh, that heavy on talking. the reggae. Now you're talking. So I, and those that don't know and why, why our podcast actually has an intro song of reggae is because um, I was talking to a PJ uh, coach who works with Dr. Joe Parent. They kind of marry the body and the, the mind and yeah. Uh, reggae beats are attuned to a normal human heartbeat. And yep. so when your heart rate is elevated on the golf course, which happens well, now that we're all whoop guys, uh, you see it like my heart rate. It looks like I'm having a heart attack every third hole. And I'm like, this can't be healthy, but uh, it helps regulate that when you're listening to reggae music. So I will practice. Um, and one, I love reggae music. Me and my wife, our first trip together was to Jamaica and, we did the Bob Marley yeah. trail and it, so I'm, I'm just all in, but I really encourage people that are working on their tempo to listen to reggae or a similar consistent tempo. Um, those guys that are putting top 40, you know, hits on, man, it's, I, I, they're trans, I'll just there's say the transition there's, is not very good. Totally. There's a time and a place for that though. Right. Like it depends on what you want to do. And I, I, <clears throat> I take, playlist making very seriously as it's a part of my life. But um, you'll notice when we share this playlist that there, there are some up-tempo songs mixed in. And I actually think that's important because I think I'm a big believer in tempo and I'm with you on the reggae thing. I think that I like a kind of consistent sound. I've always said to people like, you can talk all you want while I play golf. Just don't just start a conversation in the middle of my swing. Like if you're talking <laughs> through my swing, who cares? I can deal with it. But if you just like, I have a good buddy that loves to listen to classic rock and like there's inevitably like a Zeppelin song that like has a guitar riff that goes away for five seconds. And all of a sudden the middle of your backswing comes back in. You're like, ah, oh, dude, what's going on? Like, what are you doing? Um, but at the same time, like I think as much as tempo is important, I think mood's important too. And, and as I build some of these playlists out, especially this first one about, about tempo, there are some like, there's a couple of hip hop songs or a couple more up tempo songs that sometimes you just need to hear to get your mood right too. And I build all my playlists to be hit shuffle. Like, cause I think trying to build a perfect playlist for random people is weird. And I also think experiencing a playlist in multiple ways is important. Like we can just never know what's coming next, but I, it, you know, it's, I think it'll be fun because there is a ton of tempo, but every now and then there's a song where it's like, all right, let's go. Like, cool. <laughs> yeah. I needed this right now. Like I'm in for three minutes. It'll be okay to get back <laughs> to my tempo. Right. Nothing like crazy, but, yeah, I, and we we play a lot of match play, and I will say this: um, if I'm playing stroke play, reggae's my jam. But uh, I have seen a correlation between my matches one and uh, a little bit more upbeat rap. It's a little yeah. bit more aggressive. Don't worry, there's a hip hop. There's a hip hop playlist in there too. Yeah, I haven't quite finished it yet, but yeah, that, that definitely. I can't wait, man. For, now you got me pumped. This is gonna be great. For uh, those of us that are approaching our mid forties and above, uh, there's some classic rock. There's a classic rock playlist. We have a huge. There's uh, hold on. What did I? You you're gonna love rock? what I. Oh, dude, 
Okay. Don't you worry. Well, there's Don't a big worry, contingent but... within New Club that's just that they will will tell me that actually yacht rock is more beneficial for the tempo than even reggae is. And I mean, I yacht sure. rock is is just a genre of music that doesn't get talked about enough. It's so great. <laughs> you will. Uh, I do. I am very proud of this. I will do a brief brag of the naming of one of our playlists. We have a '90s playlist. Just, just all 90s music, again, for those of us that are in our late 30s to early 40s, but it is called Wilson Staff FG51 after the classic Wilson Golf Club from the 90s. Wow. <laughs> That's a wow. shot to you. I'm turning a light on. Sorry. That is a big shot um, to me. I love it, man. Yeah. Yeah. Wilson, Wilson uh, have we talk, have we talked our next about, sponsor of the pod. <laughs> maybe. Have we talked about enough golf on this? I feel bad. Like I feel like we just hijacked this I, into some... As the season draws on, I think I, I find myself talking less about golf. But I think what's so cool about these conversations is that it highlights that we are all other things in addition to golfers. Sure. Um, and, and the golf is what we have in common. But I, I, I take more out of these conversations from the non-golf stuff personally. But people I do aspire to only be a golfer, though. But I mean, I still <laughs> we'd all love that. I, I, will stay, I will still lay in bed at night and like have the random like huh, could I get good enough to be on the tour? I mean, obviously no, but like you still have that fantasy. It never goes yeah. away. Well, let me, let me be the, I always, so golfers are at their best when they're in the zone and to be in the zone, you can't be too frontal lobe, right? You can't be thinking about your golf game. And one thing that drives me nuts. Are you sure? Because Phil just said that he chews gum because it allows him to get into his frontal lobe. I can't remember Isn't what, that what he just said, is, but did he? <laughs> Maybe. I think that's what he just said. I mean, Phil, some Phil, nonsense, whatever, Phil. Yeah, whatever. yeah. I left side, right side, front, back. I don't know, but yeah, I don't know. The zone happens with very little thought, very little swing thoughts, very little conscious. Like they always say, the best golfers are the worst coaches because they can't really explain what they're doing out there. Nicholas, Nicholas would say stuff that made no sense to anybody else, and and but it always drives me nuts that when a golfer's playing well and he sits down in the press room, they start asking him all kinds of questions. So I'm, I'm going to do that to you because like we've already alluded, you're the, you're the season leader in the club championship. It's coming up. We're coming down the stretch. Is this on your mind at all? Is it kind of like, it's a thousand percent on my mind, <laughs> like <laughs> annoyingly. So mostly because I do, and this is why maybe strategically I'm going to let huge take over and let him have the, not maybe not let him. Cause I think he genuinely plays more golf than I do, but there is a weird, I was thinking about this and this goes back to the competitive nature of, I will kid all day that I'm going to lose five and four, just get like steamrolled in the first match and then just stand there after all this summer and be like, Oh, well that was fun. Same time. Like I would love to win. Like I'm not going to lie. I would love to win. And it has been a goal. And especially as I go through this uh, crisis of confidence right now in golf, like I want to get out of it and be able be playing my best golf so i do think about it sure of course i do i mean and mostly just for the fun and you want to show up and represent not only yourself but the year you've had in golf and like at least be competitive and as we talked about like i tend to be that eight to nine handicap that has every ability to show up shoot 100 and just be like oh my what is happening right here and would love for that not to happen that week i think about it sure i'm not gonna lie about that I would love to play it cool, but no, I think about it all the time. Yeah. And, and another, I just, why do you think I play so many matches with like John Ballou and Patrick? I want to know their game. And I want to know how to, I want to know how to get in their, 
get in their skin a little bit. Like I want to know how to like razzle them. Well, and, and it's, that's going to be my secret weapon. Our, our, uh, the untold stories are need to be the told stories. And I know Chandler Goodman was, was joking around that, you know, this arc you're on as a golfer and, and just this club championship, you know, a whole thing being the eight that's leading going up against scratch, you know, scratch guys, you know, I've played, yeah. John's playing phenomenal golf. There's a lot of good yeah. players that'll be, be there that week. And, um, I think it is a good story. I think we have to follow along with this. And, but you can't be caught up. I, I'll say this right now because I, I want you to play well. I want you to – you can't sure. be caught up in that storyline. You, you need to just focus on each shot and do the best that C. Smith can do. Totally. No, but that's why I want to get to a point where I can focus on each shot. You know, Chandler and I were joking the other night that there should be a documentary, The, the Road to the Club Championship, with the, the arc of me shooting the lowest round I ever shot at Lock the Bell. And having to have JD Hill verify that I'm actually not that good of a golfer to someone who thought I was sandbagging him. <laughs> it was the most, it was the most like, I think that's a compliment when JD's been like, oh no, he's a 12. <laughs> talk, talk about not enjoying bullshit. You know, that's a oh, guy I love that, that doesn't guy. Even oh, enjoy bullshit, that, but he is, he's the, he's the best. He's the best. Um, to like getting down to an eight after that round and then just like losing it and shooting a couple rounds in the mid nineties and then like committing to max and showing up like Chandler was like, we need to do a documentary (laughs) (laughs) on the man who like reaches his goals totally falls apart. (laughs) And can he redeem himself? And can he, can he show up for four Uh, matches for four, nine whole matches? Another podcast, another podcast, uh, that you spot that you are a a proud sponsor of the shotgun start. I think they would be Uh, in a mutual friend of ours. I think Andy would be pretty proud of, of our playoff. You know, he talks about how the playoffs aren't a playoff. I, I think, uh, Ours hold on, is a hold real on. playoff. Like you're leading by a lo- a margin. That margin I don't is get a t- gone. It's gone no, as soon as the coach I think that's bullshit, Matt. In <laughs> the final round of the playoffs, no. Somebody starts like a ten shot lead. Let's go. I need it's like a 10 real. Shots. It's a real playoff. And even better, <laughs> even better is that the window of time. Because in yeah. a nine hole match, if you get down, it is a different feeling. Everybody said that totally. last year. Everybody said, man. Being one down after one hole with eight to play feels weird. Way different than an eighteen hole match. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. I've already set up, I mean, in my just to really hammer home how confident I am about my golf game. Uh, I've already had a conversation with like Bozier, with Thomas McCartney about what we're gonna bet in our second round after we lose in the first round. <laughs> the consolation matches. <laughs> We've already talked about the consolation there's, matches. There's typically more action on the, the consolation <laughs> matches, typically. And, and they're having way more fun. Everyone's super tense on the first, the, if you're in. But those guys are, the, the beers start flowing with the groups that get knocked. Uh-oh. I mean, that's the beauty of this, though, especially at this point. And I joined last year. So I didn't play a lot last year. I think I only played two rounds. But like, as everyone knows each other, I feel really good about the fact that you can now, especially – couple years into this for you guys that people can show up on that first tee that day and be intense and be nervous and whatever else but also like give each other like be in the match jointly and like oh i i pray that somehow i mean i will get whooped if i play him but i want to play patrick johnson because there's so 
much shit I can give him <laughs> during those nine holes about things that I just, yeah. I just want to be able to do it. Even if I get steamrolled, I just want to be able to give him a hard time in a match. That's, that's, that, that's what's really interesting about how we structure things too, is that, you know, you as the one seed, if that does end up happening, you know, you are a eight shot difference from, you know, Patrick, whatever seed he, he yeah. can end up in. Yeah. Uh, I think psychologically, I, I'll just say this, it is tough being the guy that shouldn't lose. That's sure. not supposed to lose. It's a, it's a, a lot of people struggle with that. I definitely do. And, and I've, I've 16, one seed, baby. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. Take, was, take, that's take that Virginia. You're more like that 12, five though. That's beyond. It's not that big of a, yeah, I'm definitely the 12. Yeah. Yeah. That's a 12. I like it. I, mean, um, I went to Xavier. We're used to being a 12 seed. We like it. <laughs> 12 or five seed. It's fine. It's how we work. Before, can I get deeper for a second? Yeah, let's do it. Uh, fatherhood. We, Oof. we got a lot of Let's... new dads, uh, or, or expected dads, expectant mothers in, in new clubs. So I, I'm curious, yeah. uh, did you pick out your stroller yet? Did you get through that? We have done it all. Um, this is an interesting piece of information though, <clears throat> that the first people I told when I was not allowed to tell anybody about our pregnancy were fellow new club members. <laughs> I remember <laughs> you and uh, Brendan Sage. I told, and yeah. I just met Brendan. And I was just like, yeah, we're pregnant. I was like, Oh shit. Yeah. Tell you that. I remember the look you don't on know your my face. wife. It's yeah, fine. yeah. The look on your face immediately <laughs> after was, I wasn't supposed to do that. Yeah. Dang it. I wasn't supposed to do that. Um, yeah, man, we're, we've got, I think we've got, we've got everything done except for where are we going to live? How about that one? I know <laughs> okay. you guys just resolved that. We just, we just resolved that. I want to <laughs> knock that one out as soon as possible. I mean, yeah. We can stay where we are, but uh, I think we're, yeah, we're pretty good to go. Uh, what fun tidbits can I tell you about fatherhood? Your, your psyche. Can we talk about that a little bit? Because I think I struggle. I don't, well, I want to say struggle because I'm getting there, but um, it, it, like, are you doing anything to prep your, your mind? Like even right now, well, we can use golf as the, it, the common thing, right? Everyone talks about having kids and I can't play golf. I can't play. You know, I'm not, I, I need to get it in before my kid arrives. And I hear that a lot. What, what, what are your thoughts around that? I mean, I've been given the free pass for the summer. My, my wife is certainly <clears throat> setting this up as like, get it in. I don't think I won't be able to play golf. I think I won't be able to play as much golf, which is fine. I mean, I've played too much golf this summer as it is <laughs> theoretically. So if I can set the standard at a certain level and backing it off, um, I think it's the genius that you and I have in, uh, I don't know who else is in the mix, but at the timing of our children is off season. So that's brilliant. That's bad. Yeah. Uh, COVID has graced yeah, me the golf guys with, we're helping. yeah. COVID has graced me with my Ireland trip getting postponed from this year till next year. So that's already on the books. And I've got that covered. And I think, I don't know, I think, again, it's, it's the beauty of being older where my wife wants to go away for a week. Have at it. I'll take the kid. Like, it's not this game of this. It's, it's really about, well, again, what makes you happy. And as long as you're taking care of your responsibilities and your priority in life is your family, why can't I play golf? Why can't she go surfing for a week somewhere? Why can't, you know, whatever it may be. Um, but in terms of psyche overall, like I can't wait. I don't know. I have no 
I'm oddly good with change. So bring it. Let's go. I'm ready. Like I, I truly cannot wait. And it, it's awesome. And it's, it's a worry at in your mid forties that you're going to be the old dad. No one else is having kids. And granted a lot of my friends that are having kids are younger than me, but I have a couple of friends that are around the same age that are having kids. And it's awesome to <clears throat> have a new friend in the world, like Andy, who just had a kid and getting a text from him of like, you have no idea how amazing, like, I can't like his enthusiasm about us having kids, right? Like this is going to be the great, like, it just, that is awesome. And you can't wait. Yeah. And then, you know, you have a group of guys like, well, Hey honey, there's remember like my three buddies had kids too. Like this is our Sunday tea time. Like give us this. I think it's just, I think it's just gonna be more organized in the future. Like I just have a regular game here and there that's, versus I, being I mean, able to pick any day I want to play. I, I'm, I'm thinking about it in a similar sense of where I want to make it count. You know, I want my golf to be as enjoyable as possible when it happens. And it's not going to be, the like I, the one thing I'm thinking about with the kid and I play a good amount of competitive golf right now, but what I'm really starting to realize is like, and I'm not talking about new club competition because new club competition, we still have that fun camaraderie. There's other elements Boy. that are still enjoyable. The I'm talking like the, the soul sucking, like mid am put everything out type yeah. of stuff. It is, I, I'm just realizing for my personal self, it's not filling me up anymore. Yep. And, and it's probably going to have to go. And I'm not sad about that because I, I don't know, but I, I feel that the kid is going to fill a whole nother void. And, and when I do play golf, it's going to be on my terms and it's going to be great. It's going to be, it's going to make me like you talked about earlier. It's going to make me better when I come home, better with my wife, all that stuff. And, and the people, I, I do challenge all the people that say, I can't play, I can't play. I, I really think that if it makes you better, or maybe you shouldn't play golf. I mean, we talked about this, right? It might yeah. not be the solve all for other people, but if it really is the thing that makes you happy, then you need to make time for it. You have to, just like anything. hundred percent, hundred percent. And it, as long as you don't abuse it, um, I think it's actually really cool to hear you talk about the competitive aspects. I do think that they're and something I struggled with for a while, mostly when I was single, but the things that, gave you joy or, or like you said, filled you up at one point in your life, don't have to remain that way forever. And this is where I think getting older is really interesting because we all know and we'll deny it forever, but all those things your parents did and all those things that you gave you, I don't want to be this and that. Like you start to realize why they were that way and, and like how, and generally like how experience forms your opinion of things and how you, how you choose to make decisions of what you value and what you don't value and where you choose to spend your time and things like that. And how, yeah, you're, I don't, I'm a shoe guy. I'm a, I have a massive shoe collection. It's obnoxious. Always fresh. Like to be honest, it's so obnoxious. The Air Jordan head cover, right? I do. I do. And I posted something I don't know, a couple weeks ago, because most of my shoes are in a storage unit right now, but I posted something a couple weeks ago about I'm going to start selling off my shoes. I have more reaction from friends on that. Like, you okay? Everything all right? What's going on? What's happening in your life? Like, what is, like, like seriously like, concern? I'm like, I, there's, a, there's a separate group text. Guys, Steve's selling his shoes. Something's wrong. <laughs> so gotta keep, we gotta... I'm just like, I get it. And I haven't really executed the selling of my shoes very well yet. Cause it's a hard transition for me, but it's also like my priorities have just changed. Like 
that used to be like an identifier for for me of like this is like my value statement and this is kind of how I delineate. I once told a very good friend of mine about who's a fellow golfer, a great friend, lives in New York, that I was thinking about uh, getting a pair of New Balance shoes. I'm a Nike guy, and he's like, "What are you talking about?" I'm like, "Why? I'm gonna branch out." He's like, "You getting a pair of New Balance is like you changing the color of your eyes." <laughs> And I was like, oh, yeah, maybe I, maybe this is too closely related to who I am. <laughs> that Steph right Curry now. dad shoe, right? <laughs> right. But it's the idea of like, my shoe collection was an amazing thing and something I loved and it was cool. And there's certainly shoes I will keep forever. And I, I still will probably always have somewhat of like trying to be younger than I am shoe game. But my, just what brings me joy has changed. Like I have all these shoes and they sit in storage and I forget about them all the time. So how much joy are they really bringing me? And, and it goes back to the idea of friends too, right? Like making a conscious choice of what actually matters to you and then acting on it, you know, the full FOMO world of, you know, we all went to that stage and like, there's the big, if you know, you know, thing that's going on right now. It's like, okay, like, cool. <laughs> like, what does that really mean? Like, great. It means you haven't, you know, followed the hashtag yet <laughs> i don't know <laughs> totally i also realize like, i have a very good friend who's who's like 10 years old and i am who is very much a get off your lawn get off my lawn kind of guy and i'm like oh my god i'm turning into you it's yeah. great and right. i love it i love embrace it. it embrace it <laughs> oh man i feel bad we talked about a bunch of random we did nonsense. that's exactly how it should be and uh i'll we'll stop it there because i think i think the message yes, sorry no, if you've no. made it this if you've made it this far in the podcast, I will personally give you a bottle of wine. Oh, don't be careful, man. <laughs> actually, that'd be a good test though. Let's see how many people actually Let's see how many people hit me up on that. Let's see how many people hit you up. Uh uh terms and conditions may apply. Um yes. but hey man, I just want to say thanks for everything you do for the golf society. Um I, I think there's a couple of messages you had that just I think will ring true for a lot of folks. But as it relates to new club. Uh, there you've always had this um willingness to share that is is very rare for i think adult men um that i know brings a lot of people in and it makes them uh share themselves and i've seen real friendships develop uh, yeah. around you and because of you so i just wanted to say thank you uh myself included your good friend and oh i appreciate that man it's, i think it's important i don't know if you're good people, we should hang out. Like, it's just, it's that simple at the end of the day. And it's, I don't know. I think new club's been an awesome find for me and it's, it's really solved a dilemma I had, you know, I, I I'm going to make this longer now. So sorry, but for two seconds, like I was literally about to join Beverly before I got engaged and I chose to buy an engagement ring instead. And it would have been a terrible decision for me. I love that place. It's my favorite place in the city by far. I just love everything about it, but it would have been, I never would have made use of it. And new club has solved so many of my golf struggles in terms of having a community or regular people to play with. They're like, do I really want to book a couple tea times a week and play with random people, which is fine. I love playing with random people, but that gets old after a while too, where new club has really kind of solved all the challenges and a big shout out to our boy, Alex at rich harvest for, get me into this and then Jim's tar for doubling down to being like, yeah, this is great for you. But, um, yeah, I just, I'm appreciative of new club. My, 
I did was not a uh, member of fraternity in college. My wife is gives me a hard time about being a member of fraternity as a 44 year old man now <laughs> with new clubs. Like, are you going to play golf with your frat brothers again today? <laughs> it's not like um, you're Frank the Tank running down the street. I know, naked, right? like, you know, you're walking out with a college shirt day. on. Totally. But I, but I actually think it's a compliment. I think it's a compliment to, you know, I don't necessarily support all the things that fraternities did back in the day, but the idea of a fraternity is a really cool idea of, of a group of people that share a similar interest that, want to be that want to experience each other and not only each other but their extended families their kids whatever else their work lives in a way that we just don't really do anymore yeah as people and i don't know i will play golf with anyone at any point in time i can and will if i can ever be a resource or a help to anyone and i don't know just open book open door just because my life has been a benefit of people doing that for me in so many ways. And I have, I have never lived my life with any real intent to be perfect when it comes to career and certain other things, right? Like I just, I've never had like, I want to be X, Y, Z, or I want to do this. I've just kind of, my life is, I've been very fortuitous. My life has kind of happened. And I believe it's because I've been fortunate enough to be around people that have wanted to help me achieve my dreams in certain ways. And I will never lose sight of that and want to be able to give that back to other people. And sometimes it's as simple as having a beer together or sharing a glass of wine. Sometimes it's as simple as sitting and talking about life and hearing someone else talk about like the shit they're going through and being an ear for them and realize like we all go through that shit. And sometimes it's a high five after making a birdie on whatever hole. Cause I don't remember any golf holes ever. <laughs> Uh, that's all i got i don't know i love it man I and, and i i've for those listening i i really highly recommend them taking you up on that not just your bottle of wine that you're going to give them but also uh that moment because you've done that for me and and many others so hey dude uh, lots to come and maybe we'll make a new club wine <laughs> oh now we're talking let's let let me let me work on my ad read first and then we'll see how <laughs> how much how strongly you feel about that and then we'll, we'll talk buddy. Hey, thanks, Dave. We'll talk to you soon. Of course, man. This episode was brought to you by Half Day CBD. Personally, I started using Half Day CBD products a little more than a year ago to assist in three key areas. I use the Half Day oils as part of my bedtime ritual. I like to use the Half Day topical relief creams for my knees, which always start to ache around this time in the golf season. And I use the Half Day CBD gummies as a way to curb some of my first tee jitters before an especially nervy match or tournament. Using the link in our show notes, you can now check out their full line of hemp-derived CBD products. And with the promo code NEWCLUB15, you'll receive an additional 15% off your first order. You'll also see some of the half-day staffers at our upcoming tournaments and events for the second half of the golf season. So if you're interested in the use of CBD products or just curious about the benefits for yourself, I encourage you to say hello and check them out.